Welcome to the Launch Strategist Podcast with your host, Katrina Douglas, author, trainer, and launch strategist for corporate leaders, helping you launch projects that light you up, make money, and get you closer to the goals that matter. Good afternoon, everybody. So this is not my usual time for coming live. You're used to seeing me on a Wednesday for lunchtime launch tips. But you're in for a treat this week because I have an amazing guest today, Janelle Aldred, who is an amazing comms consultant and broadcaster. I'm going to tell you more about her in a second and introduce you to her. I'm back with you on Wednesday for another live. But Janelle, it's so good to have you with me. Your experience is just exceptional. Thank you. And it's so good to be with you. I love chatting with you. So and um, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, it's going to be so good. And we're talking about the topic of how to communicate like a pro on video. Now, everyone is using video, but you are a veteran broadcaster. And I think there's so much we can glean from your knowledge because you've literally been doing this for years. I just want to tell everybody, you know, the scope of your experience and how rich it is. So you've been a newsreader for the BBC, ITV and ITN. You've worked in documentary. You have also run a TV channel as a channel controller and you're now a comms consultant writing your first book on comms. I mean, my God, And we have the privilege of having you here to talk about video. It's amazing. No, I think it's so interesting because I made the decision. It's funny. My whole life has been comms. You just read out. But then I didn't make my whole life comms. And now I've decided, okay, everything is about comms. It makes sense. And when you read that, I'm like, why didn't I think of that sooner? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I've got quite a few questions for you. And like I said, I think that your experience is so rich. So I want to get straight into it. With the first question. Give us a little bit of your backstory about your your journey in journalism and how kind of the industry has, has changed. Oh, my gosh. Well, I never really, I didn't grow up wanting to be a journalist, which is really odd because a lot of people do. They grow up, they're like, I want to be a journalist. All I've ever wanted to do, that was not my story. But I was always interested in the news, which is, I was a weird child. I would read newspapers like age seven, eight, like a very strange child. And um, so I always kind of loved news, current affairs. I remember watching the very first thing that got me hooked randomly. We just got cable. It just come to the UK and my dad wanted to watch the cricket. So we got Sky News and it was around the time of OJ Simpson and the car chase. And I just remember watching this and being gripped and then seeing the trial all unfold on telly. We'd never seen that in the UK before. Mm. I just found it fascinating. Then I didn't get to news. I went to journalism as a mature student and went straight from there to the BBC. And so from there, kind of the journey just unfolded. I think I didn't have a grand plan because it wasn't something I was trying to do. So, but the one thing that was very, that stuck with me was my tutor. When I went for my kind of interview for the broadcast journalism course, she, you do a screen test and you do like a voice test. And she was said to me, you're going to be a presenter. That is how you're going to make wow. your money. You're going to be on the wow. telly. And, you know, I just believed her, which is really interesting. I just was like, okay. Because I, you know, I was, I was at that time looking for direction. So it was great to have someone say, okay, well, this is the direction. Yeah. So that's how I kind of entered. So that was well over, well, well over a decade ago. Mm. And when I first started doing news, Instagram wasn't even invented. Yeah. So 
things have changed so much in terms of broadcasting. The change that social media has brought to broadcasting have been absolutely vast. So, yeah, there's been so much change and a lot of it is down to technology. Yeah, amazing. And so we've even seen in broadcasting the use of live streaming like in recent years, which is incredible to just see how the two worlds have almost merged. But I think that there's something about being classically trained in a profession like you have that can never be replaced or eradicated. And for me, although that, although kind of social media has democratized media, um, I think that there's still a place for the standards that were set in broadcast and seeing that more in in social in the social media space. So as much as I love kind of the freedom of social media, I do also love that professionalism of broadcast, which which you know you kind of have, which I love. So um, yeah, it's yeah. interesting because you know we're trained in law, so mm-hmm. we're trained how to not get sued essentially, and how to not lie on people, and how to you know make sure that you're saying what should be said. And I think that obviously is bit what's missing sometimes from the democratic yeah. space is that people just say anything, the same thing they want to say. Yeah, you know, I think for me and a lot of people, and this is not about news, but for me, news is continued place in people's hearts and lives will mm. only carry on if we hold true to those th- standards yeah. which I think we're in a time where you see that slipping a bit and there's a bit of a loss of trust in news and yeah. I think for us to continue to hold that space of trust which is what sets us apart from everybody else in reality because now anyone can grab a camera and film <laughs> um, but that for me is what will make news continue and, and, and it's that integrity and I think that's something that's really important that we don't talk about enough it's so not what we'll talk about today but yeah <laughs> no, it's important but just to talk about that so you know obviously everybody a lot of people here watching this will know that I'm a launch strategist and when you launch something media coverage is a bit is a big part of that so while we're kind of on the topic are there some do's and don'ts because it's very different to speak to say an audience like here on LinkedIn than it is to speaking to the media can you give us like a few things like that we need to consider so I think when it comes to getting press coverage I think what a lot of people a mistake that you see people just want to talk to everyone people have one press release and they're like I'm just going to just send it out to everybody and I think the number one thing you can do is actually research where you're sending it whose audience is actually aligned with the audience that you want to speak to and I think um, a lot of people think obviously BBC I see you know the big names and it's great if you can get that coverage but the reality of it is or papers the reality of it is is your audience might not actually be there do you need to speak to them or actually is there a more niche kind of outlet that would have a better return for you in terms of the time you're going to spend on the investment the other thing that I actually do, I actually do a course on getting organic press. Um, but the other thing um, is... That at some point at the end. Yes. The other thing is, I think it's, it's just people kind of go in with this not enough detail. Um, yeah. Kind of say, oh, I've got this great event happening. Oh, well, so have lots of other people. And I think what people fail to remember is that although the media do need stories, there are far more people offering them stories than there are media outlets. So you have to think, how does my story actually stand out? And this is where the audience is important because 
actually you might be pushing something that their audience is just, just not their audience doesn't resonate and if you watch different news channels if you read different newspapers different magazines you can see that they're clearly appealing to different people so you need to find that synergy where you're who you're trying to appeal to is who they're also trying to appeal to because there you get the added value and what we're all trying to do is is keep our audience interested so we're only going to push things that we think they'll be interested in so if you're pushing something that actually it's just really not for a BBC audience. Yeah. And why would they, why would they do that? Because they care about their audience. Yeah. So I think it's just always about just thinking where the actual natural synergy is and having lots of details because people kind of get in touch and say, oh, you always put bad news on. This is a good news. It doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> that is, that's not how this works. And so you have to recognize that it needs to be something that's appealing to them and appealing to the people that watch. I think that's a really good point. And I think in all the content, especially video content we produce, it's important to be strategic and always ask yourself, why are you even producing this? Because it's so easy to just pick up a phone and record and forget actually, what's the purpose of this? Why are we showing up on LinkedIn? Why are we showing up on these channels? And it's so important that, you know, our purpose is clear, that we're known for something, people get used to our narrative and it's resonating with that audience. So such an important point, such an important point. So what are your kind of top live streaming tips? I think I would always say, one, be prepared, like have the space around you prepared and yourself be prepared and yourself feel comfortable. I think sometimes because people don't like being on camera and they dread it, they just try and fly into it because they don't want to think about it before the moment arrives. And actually, that is a surefire way to dislike it even more because it won't go the way that you want it to go. I think um, sometimes people go in, let's say, and it's a mess behind them or they're wearing clothes they're comfortable in. And actually, that inhibits your performance because if you are not comfortable, you are thinking about what other people are thinking about. And when you're thinking about that, you're not concentrated on your actual content. So I think it's about one, making that space around you and yourself ready to go, giving yourself time. So I will always typically, like if I'm doing a webinar, I'll be sitting in the seat like half an hour before I start. Mm. And that's just a news reader, probably kind of thing of being in the studio for rehearsal. But I will just be there because then you can just be calm and you can mm. think about what you're about to do. I think the other thing is to prepare content. And sometimes people are like, I'm just going to go on and say something. You can. And I think there's times and spaces where you have enough passion or energy about a topic to just go on and start talking. Yeah. But actually much of the time, what you need is a thought through. It doesn't need to be every word, but mm. some bullet points on what you want to talk about, what you think are the important things about that subject and also mm-hmm. how you're kind of going to end it, like how you're going to yeah. exit this live. Because I think a lot of people just um, kind of get on there, start rambling. Yeah. It goes all these different places where you didn't mean for it to go. You start saying all the things that are not on message and then yeah. it kind of just finishes in a puff of, oh, well, better just end that there then. And um, I think preparation is is really important for making sure there's a flow and a theme that goes right through what you're talking about and that you kind of finish on a good strong note too. Yeah that's amazing and actually um, my next question was going to be what are some total no-nos and I think that's a nice one because so often it is we'll just grab a camera and we'll just kind of speak but that's kind of something you would never ever do in broadcast journalism ever 
And so, no, that's such, such an important point. I was watching one of your, your lives or a video that you did the other day and you raised a really, really good point I've never heard before. And it was like, you know, when you're interviewing people or they have a comment that you agree with, sometimes we say, like, I love that or that's great. And you said something to the effect of adding value, like there's better things to say. Yeah. Can you explain that? Because it was so powerful and so good. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so notorious for saying, I love that. Like, I need to listen to this and take know of all that but can you explain that because it was such a good point so I think someone somewhere apologies to that person has told someone that saying great question at the end of every question is a good idea and it's not really and it's not that you should never say it I said you should never say it and I don't think you should say it but it's not that you should never say it if you genuinely think it's a great question but actually what people use it as they use it as a thinking phrase so because they're trying to think of the answer they say great question whilst they're trying to gather their thoughts but actually it can come across really ungenuine especially yeah. after every single question because if if we have a conversation and, you, and for me interviews are conversations but you know we're having a conversation now so if we were having a normal conversation let's take it off screen and everything you said to me oh have you um been out today great question you yeah. it would be strange yeah. so you make it not strange because you're in an interview actually <laughs> makes it stranger um and so I think because it's more of a thinking phrase so it's because you're trying to think of what to say next and so I think it's better if people ask you a question one just to answer it yeah even if you need to pause although it feels like a long time to you actually it's quicker than you think because mm-hmm. in your mind any pause feels like an eternity but yeah. actually it's only a couple of seconds and people don't mind that and at least it seems like you're gathering yourself and like you're thinking mm-hmm. about what someone's just said because that's the other thing about just coming straight back with great question well it's just so reactive, like yeah. you, you couldn't possibly have absorbed a great question in that non-second. And yeah. so I think it's better if someone, you know, and sometimes if it's a tough question to kind of say, that's a challenging, that's a challenging question. Yeah. So I can answer it in two parts. That's really interesting. I've never thought about that before. Yeah. Now that I think about it, this is what, you know, and actually answer the question honestly saying great question is not honest because some of the questions aren't great they're actually just very run-of-the-mill and very average and so the over enthusiastic response to it is just kind of strange so I think it's always about authenticity it's always about being honest and responding in a way that actually shows you have listened to the question rather than an off-the-bat answer that shows you haven't listened to the question or that really you're just thinking about yourself because that's sometimes how it can kind of come across and it's completely unintentional because I you know I don't think people I work in comms so I think about these things in great depth and most people are not thinking about them in great depth but yeah I just think answering a question authentically and honestly in the first instance is always best and if you need to gather your thoughts for a couple of seconds it is totally fine to have a couple of seconds of non-speaking you don't have to fill every single gap with a word um but I think sometimes we feel like we do Mm -hmm. so that's why we say that yeah and I love that point because it's a simple point but a really powerful point about giving yourself permission to slow down and pause because lives by their very nature can be quite pressurized 
And so there is that pressure to be like, okay, we have to keep the conversation moving. We have to say something, but actually giving yourself permission to be actually, no, let's have a thoughtful conversation. Let's not speak about the audience for a minute, just for a minute, but speak about the, think about the person that I was speaking to and the best way I can respond to that. So that's such an important point. It's such a good point. Onto that person well, the audience gets more. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is what, you know, the, the audience gets more value. Like you say, if you say, actually, I'm having a conversation, let me just pause. The connection all around gets so much better yeah. because everyone's connecting with everybody rather than these kind of what can sound like flippant answers. It actually breaks down connection rather than builds it. And what you want to do in any interview is you're trying to build connection. How do you deal with that pressure? Because people feel it on lives, but when you're on the BPC, ITV, ITN, and you're live, how, what are some tips for actually dealing with that pressure? The thing is, it's, it's really interesting because you go through all this training before you ever go on a screen. And this is why I actually really feel for people who are just having to become TV presenters overnight because COVID's happened and the work's like, well, you just got to go on screen because we did a lot of training. I watched myself back loads before I ever went on telly and I watched myself back for a whole year afterwards. In terms of pressure, you go to a different place. So in the beginning, the pressure was different to what it is now. So when I first started doing it, the pressure was a lot. Like you just feel like I'm on the BBC. Oh my God. And I remember my first time live a few weeks after my sister was like, oh, Janelle, like a rabbit in the headlights. And I did literally see every time someone was speaking in my ear, like my visible reaction, because you just also knew. But then once you get into it, what you realize is, and or how I did it was, I'm talking to the camera. Yeah. I'm to one person, I'm not trying to talk to loads of people. And I just didn't ever think about the people at home. And I know that sounds terrible and kind of counter to what I'm saying, but actually, all the prep before is considering for the audience. Yeah. When you go on, it's about performing. And so I, I don't know, you, you just take those nerves and channel it. And the, the thing is, I think a lot of people think nerves are bad. Nerves aren't always bad. Uh, you know, nerves keep you in a space of being on your watch about what you're doing. And the day when you just feel like, oh, I'm just going to breeze on and just read through it, I guarantee you, you will make lots of mistakes because actually that's not the, that's not the space. So mm-hmm. I always say nerves are good because they keep you they keep you tight and they keep you yeah. focused. So I never mind the nerves. I think obviously it's a problem if people are so nervous that they then can't speak or go. That's when nerves are different. But there, there are different ways you can channel those nerves. But yeah, I just just very much concentrated on getting the content out. And I think mm. that's the best way to, to, to channel it. And I think that point that you made about focusing on the audience before and then when you're on, that's about the performance. It's, it's, it's so good um, and a really valuable takeaway. Well, you have knowledge for days, as they say, <laughs> on, on this topic. But one final question before we begin to wrap up. We've spoken a lot about bringing that professionalism and marrying it with the democracy that is social media, which I think is an, an important point. But to finish on something quite tangible, Is there maybe a structure you would advise people to use for short form video content that you could share? 
Um, I think the best kind of structure that you always want to do in the video to make it impactful is tell people what you're going to tell them and then you tell them what you just told them. <laughs> and I think for when you're doing short form video, it's very easy to, and it depends on where you're doing it right, but people are joining all the way through. Mm-hmm. People that watch the whole way. Yeah. So don't assume that they're going to get exactly what it is you're talking about from what you're saying. You know, you want to recap and say, mm-hmm. this is what we're talking about today. If you've just joined, we're talking about this today. Yeah. What we've talked about today is because that way you know that you've reinforced your message. And also it's a good reminder for you to make sure yeah. you stay on track because then you don't lose your track if you're very much kind of tethered to a beginning, middle and end. Yeah. And you have to recap all you've just said. So I think it makes it easier for you and it also makes it easier for the audience because everyone's really clear about why you're doing this today. And I think where things get a bit tricky is when people are not clear about why you're doing what you're doing. Absolutely. So in the meantime, Janelle, where can people connect with you? How can people work with you if they want to? So you can connect with me on LinkedIn, which is great, which is how we connected, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. I'm at Janelle Aldred everywhere. There's not many Janelle Aldreds in the world, funnily enough. So <laughs> it's easy to always get my name handle. So I do video courses, which I'm currently pausing because they're getting accredited, which is excellent so, an accreditation process which means hopefully some of you if you want to do it your work can pay for it because part of your cpd and so i do courses around video presentation interviews and panel skills i also do around getting organic press do coaching as well so i work with exec ceos who want to help with their messaging and kind of how to land it and the best way to kind of come across well it is hard on video. Like, listen, I, I honestly, I do feel for people. I'm 13 years in, so it's fine for me. Like, I, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I know how to maneuver myself. I know how to answer questions. I know how to not answer questions. Um, I, you know, I know how to do all of those things. But I get that for some people, especially in this blended model, it's really tricky when you're doing in real life and some video doing lots of video we're all being asked to be on more panels and everything else like that so yeah that's kind of what I do Um, amazing so I hope you have found this helpful in fact I'm sure you all have and that the tips on how to communicate like a pro on video have been useful to you my whole purpose for doing these lives is to support you through the launch process and I think video is such an important part of launching in the digital age that we're in but I think it's important to do it well like I said I straddle the lines of you know picking up a camera and just doing it and having that professional element I think it's so important and so I always want to bring people that can support the viewers through that launch process and in terms of it video and preparing to do video they don't come any better than you Janelle so if you are wanting to do video you want wanting to master video you want to get better at video please please do connect with Janelle you are in you will be in amazing hands so yes Janelle thank you so much for joining me so valuable and I've even come away with some tips so that has been phenomenal yeah so thank you so much and like I said please do connect with Janelle and I'll be back with you on Wednesday have an amazing day and rest of the week speak to you soon bye-bye